0: And as I understand it, I have some of you out here to blame for that. Pastor yeah. says, oh, people are always asking, Billy, when are you going to preach? Yeah. So you have no one to blame but yourselves. <laughs> and um, I recall one time I was trying to encourage people to, uh, when we have our praise and worship, I was trying to encourage people to, you know, share a testimony. And I know sometimes a lot of you hold, For myself, I hold back because I know once I open my mouth, I'm accountable for what I say. And a lot of times that's why it's like I'd rather just keep that bottled up inside, because then it's like people are gonna know about that, and then that's something I'm accountable for. And when Pastor asked me to preach, I was like, oh man, that's why they don't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um but then as pastor asked me to, to preach. And we had a, a talk just about where I am in my life, um, and one of the things that came up was commitment. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm unusual in that, but for me, that was a big problem I've had: uh, commitment to a job, but uh, or, or just commitment to a certain goal in life. But mostly, it was commitment to God. Yeah. And and as you know, for one thing, I'm not a writer, and when it comes to like long term projects, that was another thing that. You know, they emphasize the point of commitment. It's like, that's, you give me a project, it's like, let's do it right now. Let's go. But he said, like, all right, this is a project we have. It's going to be, you know, steps over, like, the next six months. Forget it. I'm lost. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. The more time you give me, the worse it is. (laughs) But fortunately, um, I guess God was in this, and he, and uh, one thing I've been thankful for is at work, a lot of times I have time to be alone in my thoughts and to meditate And to think about, you know, what either what pastors preached about or even just the songs that we sing when you really think about the words. And one thing that really kept coming to mind was just the food that God gives us, spiritually speaking, milk versus meat, the milk of the word versus the meat of the word. And it was just kind of funny how all all the ideas started coming and just how it was, you know, a lot of times when we have our food and fellowship, it's like I'm just kind of giving a a little snack or leftovers that, you know, from pastor's sermon or something like that or something throughout the week. And basically when pastor asked me to preach, he said like, all right, Billy, it's like, you've been giving out snacks, people seem to like it, but now you need to preach. And it, So, but I was like, "But I, I like giving out snacks. It's easy. It's, you know, you know, but no, you need to preach. You need to cook. You need to prepare the food for the church, the food that you've been trying to consume yourself, over these past couple of months, especially uh, about a year and a half, two years, I believe. I forget the timeline off the top of my head. So, uh, the title, I almost honestly feel kind of funny giving you a title of the message, but it's leaving food on the table. And so, oftentimes, we leave, spiritually speaking, we leave food on the table that God gives us t- to us in abundance. So, uh, for our first, um, Text or uh, rep- verses that we're going to go to, please turn to Hebrews 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12. I also feel a little funny because I'm using my phone. I've gotten so used to m- using my phone to, you know, read the Bible. And I almost feel guilty I can't, you know, flip pages. It's just something about it doesn't seem right. Growing up in church, you know, pastors always say, oh, I love hearing the sound of the pages flipping. And I I can't do that, so, but I hope you'll forgive me for that. All right, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And it are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have, ec- have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the problem that we have is multiple, oftentimes, by the time you should be teaching others, you still drink milk and you're not eating meat. You are a child. You are unskilled in the word of righteousness. Meat is for the mature, those who have exercised their senses to discern good and evil. You haven't given it enough thought. In your day-to-day life, you're not thinking about what is right and what is wrong. You're just kind of going about your daily life. And I have to admit, this past week, I've been I'm getting ready to start a new job. I had to go like, all right, I got to go here like 6 in the morning. I got to get used to that schedule now. I've been used to closing at work, you know, going to bed at like at, you know, 11 or, or, no, not 11. Being honest, like, you know, like 1 o'clock or late or something like that. But because I don't start work till 1230, so, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. But, you know, that, that whole thing is slipping. But I wasn't eating. Now, I wasn't necessarily, like, feasting on what the world has to offer, but I wasn't giving, consuming what God has for me. A lot of times, we don't eat everything that God gives us because deep down, we think it'll be easier that way. It's easier to stay a child. How many times it's like, oh, I wish I could be a kid again. No responsibilities, play with my toys all day, go outside, run around. (laughs) The child doesn't have responsibilities. Not like an adult has. He doesn't have the same consequences that an adult has. As an adult, you know, if I make a wrong step, there's going to be consequences for that. A lot of times we've lived long enough to experience that. So, as a spiritual adult, we have to eat meat and we have to prepare meat for others. Meat being doctrine, the word of God. We must cook for others. So, I don't want to just say like, ah, meat's bad, you know, kick that out of here. No, meat is... A good thing. So let's go to our next scripture, First Peter. And I hope you don't mind. As I was studying for this, there was like 101 verses. Was like, oh, I could use that. I could use that. So I'm, I tried to nail it, uh, narrow it down as best I could. I hope you'll uh, be understanding. But First Peter, chapter two, verses two and three. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. That ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. the milk of the word is something wonderful. it is what brings sweetness to this life, t- true sweetness to this life. I heard a preacher uh, pastor say um, the world offers counterfeits of God's blessings. It's sweet, but there's a very bitter aftertaste so but also again. The world recognizes the sweetness that God has for us, that he died for us, that he loves us. A lot of times, people just want to say, God is love, God is love. You'll find all kinds of people that spout God is love and know nothing of God's love. You know, a lot of times, you can make candy out of milk, right? You guys lived in Mongolia, they made all kinds of stuff out of milk. All right? Have you ever made candy out of meat? No. The world loves the milk. Even if they... But once you start getting to the meat, once it starts like getting a little tougher, no, forget it. I don't want any part of that. Just milk once in a while, maybe on the holidays, right? Once you start having to chew on the food that God gives you, it gets stuck in your teeth, maybe. Yeah. You know that's it's different than milk, and we just drink it down. It's sweet. You get that little mustache. It's great, right? <laughs> So once this happens, many will turn away. Meat requires preparation. It requires skill in that preparation. It requires time. When you eat it, again, it can get stuck in your teeth. You have to cut it into smaller pieces. Then you must rest and digest your food. Think on it. On top of that, people might not thank you. In spite of all the time I've spent preparing for this and stressing about it, you might not thank me. And I'm not saying that I'm looking for it. Thanks, <laughs> I should have known would get something like that. They might argue with you. Say, you cooked it all wrong. It's overdone. It's underdone. You seasoned it wrong. There's too much salt. It's burnt. I can't eat that. Or it's, it's the wrong piece of meat. That piece is gross. I like ribeye or, you know, T-bone steak. I don't like cow tongue. You know? <laughs> I worked in the meat department at Sam's, so I got all these different stuff in my head. But sometimes, a lot of times, you look at counseling and it's like, that's disgusting, I don't want that. Give me the ribeye. So again, meat is doctrine, but you must remember, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So, all the meat of the, of the word of God, even if we don't quite like the taste of it, it's still important. Because we don't eat meat, a lot of times, we struggle to. So a lot of times the pastor, I believe was, uh, forgive me, I'm forgetting uh, last week or the week before, the church is lacking leaders. Men, we got to eat meat. If you're not eating meat, you can't be a leader in the church. If you haven't chewed on that doctrine, really given a thought, applied it to your life, how can you share it with someone else? If you're a teacher, they say, like, you can only be a teacher when you truly understand the subject matter, right? Uh, if you'll please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. These are people that Paul has already taught. And he's saying, like, still, to this point, I can't give you meat. I have to keep giving you milk, because you're not ready. At some point, it's like you have to wean off the milk. Now, that milk is always going to be there, right? The love of God, of course, we always come back to that. It's something we always come back to. But at some point, you can't just live off the milk. You have to have the meat of God's word. That's why so many times, you know, you see new Christians might be swept away or they don't come back. Because all they had was milk. And then when someone gives them some different idea, it's like, oh, I never thought about that. And it's like, well, it's right there in the scripture. The answer is there. <clears throat> and one thing that, in, as I was trying to prepare for this, is encouraging was just so many verses um, offering encouragement. Um, the Bible app I have uh, every day, it has like a verse of the day. And there was one. Um, I believe it was First uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. Let me look that up real quick for you. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that, you are able. But will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. That was encouraging. That was just a little verse of the day. And that's something you know as as you try to become that leader or try to eat more of that of the meat of God's word and it's funny um, pastor always says like a lot of times it's like there's um, he either runs out of time to say everything he wants to say there's so many ideas and I I kind of experience the same there's so many things it's like oh that's a really good point oh that's good but then it's it's like I, I gotta keep this all in line and I also didn't want to be like I don't I know growing up in church, whenever you have someone else speaking, especially one of the, you know, laymen in the church is like, oh, it's going to be about 10 minutes. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know if that's pride or it's just like, I, you know, I don't want to seem like unprepared, but sometimes it's just like I'm just kind of like burning through this. I like, had pages, pages, and then it. it's like it's already, already done. Um, leadership is more than telling others what to do. You must be an example as well. Once you grow in knowledge and understanding, you must cook for others. You have to share that. But remember, we just talked about what comes with cooking. All the preparation time, the thanklessness, or even rejection. Also, many times when you cook, you have to taste the food. That's something that pastor mentioned. Mm -hmm. As you're you're preparing, it's like what you're going to share. It's like, oh man, it's like that kind of can strike a nerve at times. It's like, I need to work on that. Like I said, this past week, I was, like, so busy, just, like, driving from one place to another, and I wasn't take, spending the time to read or be in prayer. And it felt more convicting. It was just like, it was like what am i am trying to preach about? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, it's so easy to get caught up. It's not always that we're just, you know, like, waist deep in the mil- filth and the muck and the mire of the world but it's just getting caught up and it's like oh I gotta go to work oh I gotta do this I gotta pick up the kids I gotta you know do this I gotta do that it's so easy to just, just fall into that routine it's cause a lot of times it's just it's, it's not on my mind because it's not important enough to me and that's one of the t- difficult things to to deal with at times As you study doctrine, it forces you to reflect, examine the sin in your life. Cooking then, while rewarding, can be distressing, even painful. As one preacher put it, the paradox of Christianity is that the closer you are to God, the more your sin stands out. Yeah. The more distressed you are by, dis- by your sin, and you feel so painfully far from God. But that is a good thing. Second Timothy 2.15 Let's turn to that real quick. The closer you are to God, yes, the more your sin stands out. But you also have more knowledge of that joy that God brings. Yes. And the assurances that he gives you. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, Rightly dividing the word of truth. I know I've shared with uh my buddy Anthony a lot of times when we look at people in the Bible, especially like someone like Paul, he seems like a superhero. But Paul himself is like, I'm chief among sinners. Yes. I think I know what I need to do and I don't do it. And I feel for myself, growing up in church, it's like I've developed such a disconnect between Paul, the apostle, the character in the Bible, and Paul, the human being. And it's not to, like, justify, it. it's like, well, if I did something, it's like, well, Paul wasn't perfect. And it's like, that's not the point, right? The point is, it's like, you're a human, like, Paul, you're a human being. You're not going to be perfect. Don't let the shame or discomfort, or the distress of your sin keep you from getting closer. Sometimes it's like, I don't want to get closer to God because I know how bad I am. There's like the, this vicious cycle that we can fall into and that's kind of ruled most of my life. And I'm sure that affects a lot of other people. Yeah. But God will give you joy. God will bring light. Amen. Yes. The closer you get to God, you see more of Christ than you ever have before. Mm-hmm. So while you feel more, just, more gross than you ever have before, you also feel closer. And you should know that God He's taken it away. He's covered it. Yes. yes. So as you want more doctrine, as you chew more meat, you should bring more confidence in your Savior. Again, a lot of times it's that fear. We're not leaders because we are afraid. There's a a famous quote by Vince Lombardi, uh, coach of the Packers in the 1960s. He won a lot. So people are going to listen to what he has to say. But he did have some pretty good quotes. There was one that caught my attention. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. So like I was saying before, this past week, I wasn't reading enough. I wasn't eating enough. Because of that, I'm going to be weaker. If I'm weaker, I'm going to fatigue quicker. And because of that fatigue, I'm more cowardly in my spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. As I deal with situations day to day. It's like I'm tired. Because I'm tired, it's like I don't want to take that extra step. Or I hesitate because maybe I'm not ready to handle that situation. You know, he was talking more about, you know, being on that football field. And, you know, football can be a pretty dangerous game, right? One wrong step can get you injured. But if you're courageous, if you're brave, you just go for it. No matter what the world can throw at you. You know, it's like, God's got me. We can handle this. You know, he'll take care of it. I just have to do what he says. I just have to act. Fatigue makes cowards of a soul. And that's, I know, especially for us men, that's not something you like to hear. You're a coward. I'm sure right now it's like some of you might have tightened up. It's like, excuse me? <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's true. And it's such a easy thing to fall into, to slip into. Because a lot of times we can be more selective in what we're brave in and what we're cowardly in. And it's like, you know, with work, it's like, uh, oh, let's do it. I can handle it. But, you know, with my like Pastor said before, it's like with, this, with a physical, um, taking care of the physical needs of your family. He's like, I got it. No one's, good, you know, remember, uh, anybody seen uh, It's a Wonderful Life? The teacher whines about like, he's like, your kids didn't have jackets on the way home. And he's like, he's whining about that. And that really strikes a nerve. But when it comes to the spiritual, your children are weak. They're unfed. They're starving. Mom's got it. Sunday school teachers got it. Pastors got it. Your children are starving. Spiritually starving. And it's like, ah. Someone else can handle it. But if someone says your children are starving, it's like, oh, move heaven and earth so my children won't starve. Yeah, that's right. And that's the responsibility of all of us here as a Sunday school teacher there's definitely been times in the past where it's like, I don't want to do that. And it's like, I can't do that. But then at some point, there's that flip, and it's like, hold on to that. All these kids are important. But parents, you got to make sure you're feeding them, all right? <laughs> and we have an example of endurance. Please don't be upset. We may turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Our example, of course, is Christ. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ endured the cross for us. Mm. Because he had the strength to endure it. Mm. Because of his relationship with God. Yeah. I mean, if anyone knew doctrine, it would be Jesus Christ, right? But because of that, get, remember, yes, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And this is the time that God turned his back on him. This is something we can't really understand. God hasn't completely turned his back on us. Only Jesus understood that. Not only did Jesus have to endure the day-to-day of human life, but he also had to experience that complete separation from God. We always have at least that comfort that God is there. But because Jesus had that endurance, he was prepared to endure that for you and me. Paul, in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Of course, it has a different meaning when you're talking about food. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them that also love his appearing. So, and just one more, just I thought it was encouraging. Isaiah, there's a, a song that uses this verse, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. <clears throat> he giveth power to the faint and to them. That have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. As you eat more meat, as you eat, consume more doctrine, that verse should be on your mind. There's a, a song. You can ask my dad how it goes. As an eagle, you know it's a it's a great song that I think it was uh, Pastor Lowry who wrote that song, right? And that's a good way to uh, keep verses in your mind. And a big part of my testimony has always been, in spite of how angry I was at God for uh, my brother's passing, like over 20 years ago now, it's kind of crazy to think. Through all the anger, angerness, and the bitterness, there was still those verses in my head that just wouldn't go. It can't be that made sure I'm here today, because mm-hmm. there were so many times it's like, you know, it would be so easy just get like just start smoking or drinking or whatever. Just what does it matter? I know I brought up before it's like. Growing up in church, I've seen so many pastors screw up, let alone Sunday school teachers, or just people that have been in church for a long time. I remember with talking to pastors, like one of the reasons I want to, I don't want to just drop the Sunday school classes, because I don't want to be another one of those, just people that fell off. As these kids grow up in church... I don't want them to be able to count kind of like, oh yeah, that person was my teacher for a little bit that he's left, and then this person was there, and then they left. There, there's been so much of that. And it's so frustrating. And fortunately, cool. make sure your children are fed. As I was preparing, uh, I was using this notebook. It's got an N on it. A lot of you know uh, my mom, how loving of a person she is. And I know part of the reason I'm here today is because of people like her. her of course, her specifically, but also people like that in the church. People's examples you could look to. You know, I'm so thankful for you, Pastor. Just the interest... He shows not only me, but in other people in the church from my father. <laughs> yeah, I know he can be a plow, but, you know. <laughs> but I love him. I wouldn't trade him for anything in the world. But just that thought, that time we were, we were talking about commitment, and those only the things, like, I'm not going to let you drop the Sunday school class. And I was like, no, no. And I was like, it's, it's already got its hooks in me. I can't let it go now. Right. I mean the kids could be bummed sometimes, but it's all good. I <laughs> hope you keep that in mind though. You're an example to, to others. I hope you're cooking for others. But ultimately, we must eat the word, the meat of the word of God. If we are Christians, truly born again, we must eat because the word is Jesus Christ Himself. Turn to John chapter six. John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 47. John chapter 6, verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And at this point, Jesus was talking to um, the people around him, the Jews, about manna and comparing himself to manna. Just to give you a bit of background. In verse 48, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and our dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Jesus is that meat. John 1.1. 1, 1. Jesus is the word of God, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when we consume our Bibles, when we consume that meat, the doctrine, that is the reason we're here. You're consuming Christ himself. And ultimately, that was just... its And I have to admit, I don't read my Bible nearly as much as I should. But... So because of that, I'm weak. I'm starving. I've gotten a lot better, at, you know, not that the old man. But the spiritual man still has a lot of growing to do. So... In closing, consume your Bible, consume the word of God, because ultimately you are what you eat.